You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Recording in the Vivid Seat Studio, this is the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're looking back as the Utah Utes dominate the Oregon State Beavers. And we look ahead to the Arizona State Sun Devils, and we're joined by Chris Cartman from sundevilsource.com. And I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And we got Scott. Yeah, buddy. It's good to be back. Back here in the Vivid Studio. These are some nice digs we got here. They are. I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's good to be back from uh, on assignment up in Beaverton. So Utah gets a very impressive win, 52 to seven, a smackdown from the get go. I love these types of games where stress free. Oh, my heart can just take it. The game can end, and you can just go to bed. You don't have to stay up till two in the morning trying to unwind. Great game. Uh, all around, all all the fame. Maybe not a special team so much, but offense, defense, uh, a great game. It's back to back games. They've just been clean. Offense is executing at such a high level, which is as a U fan, does that just not feel so good to have an offense you can rely upon, an offense that you know has the ability to go put up a high number of points? It feels fantastic, but I mean, it's so strange it's not something we're accustomed to as utah fans so before we really dive into this game utah's playing arizona state this weekend and obviously it's going to be a sellout game but if you need tickets get out your phone and bust out the vivid seats app if you use the promo code overtime you can save a hundred dollars off your first purchase and you have to be a first-time customer but use that promo code overtime on the vivid seats app and maybe you'll get a sit by us your lucky day who had the most impressive game the offense or the defense oh man that's that's... you have to choose one well in in some aspects i would say defensively right just because they they had a goose egg up on that board until literally the last minute of the game which was so unfortunate the brumfield fumbles and gives them that short field so they can go score that's not on the starter. starter. No, no, that's not. Like it's four straight garbage time. But it does it's not going to count. But it them. does take away from the official stats. Shout yeah. out. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. I mean, defensively, they looked they looked so good. I mean, so crisp. Everything that they were doing, quarterback had no time to pass. He was he was running from the pocket almost every time. They never got anything going with the run game, and as good as as good as that defense played, I'd still almost go offensively, just because it feels good to be able to say that. <laughs> feels good. I think I have to go with the defense because if you look at the last two games that Oregon State has played against uh, UCLA and then Stanford before that, they they put a lot of points on the board and they made it look pretty simple. Now I I know UCLA's defense isn't great, Stanford isn't as good as in years past. Uh, they've put a lot of points on the board, and to shut essentially shut them out was really spectacular. I, I'll go with Ryan. That defense I don't think is getting in nearly enough credit for that game. Not taking anything away from the offense because they, they were phenomenal, and we'll, we'll get into it real quick. But to me, what the defense did was outstanding, and I think it, it proves that the Washington State game wasn't a fluke. Well, and I don't even I don't even know if we need to argue back and forth between the two because both were absolutely dominant yeah. on on both sides, and so I mean that's that that's just that's the no doubter game, and we we talked about it last week. You know, is this the type of game where Utah's going to go in play to the level of their competition? You know, make some mistakes and give Oregon State life, which we you never really know if that's what that's the Utah you're going to get. Or are you going to get the team that just goes in there and just eliminates them from early on, just puts them away? Because that's what great teams do. And I remember we talked about that last week, and that would show that would send a message for the rest of the season where this Utah team's at. So I, th- I think it sends a huge message, not only to this fan base who's out. We'll get to that later. But 
to the rest of this conference that Utah's Utah's turning into what everybody thought they were going to be preseason. So let's look in the offense real quick. Zach Moss, five carries for 121 yards, two touchdowns. If Zach Moss can just carry the ball five times for 120 yards every game, how awesome would that be? I'm obviously that's never going to happen again. But that's one thing we talked about is you wanted to limit Zach Moss in this game, getting back from the injury, wanting him to stay healthy, especially going in to some tougher games coming up. And that's exactly what Utah got out of him. Just he just did enough that he had a, that he showed that he's back. He's playing at a high level. And only having to carry the ball five times, he didn't really take any big hits, is huge. And then Tyler Huntley just dominated again, 14 of 17, 247 yards, two touchdowns. That touchdown to Nakua on fourth down. Beauty. That was an NFL throw. What? Uh, yes. I mean, that, that that's what Wynn talked about last week, right? On third and short, fourth and short is dialing up the deep ball, keeping those defenses honest. Now granted this wasn't this was fourth and seven, so it wasn't a fourth and one. So they they had a pretty good idea that we were gonna throw the ball. But we didn't we didn't throw it for eight yard gain. No, it, it, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean I agree that was the, that was a gutsy play call. Be interested to know if that was if that was the number one route or if he just saw I, he had an opening there. I think it was, because if you watch it, his eyes, and, and they alluded to, to this in, in, in the broadcast, which half the time they were saying stuff that just didn't even make sense. <laughs> oh but he did. He kept his eyes in the middle field to hold that safety, and then he went right to Nakua and, and, and let go of the ball. So I, it looked like that was probably his primary read, but... But a perfectly thrown ball. Oh, and a, and a great catch by Nakua as well. I mean, yeah. the wide receiver. I mean, Kyle Kyle Whittingham alluded to that today that the wide receiver group got the offensive game ball game ball just by their performance because they're really they're really coming to their own. <laughs> Finally, we've got a wide receiver core that is producing and that is dynamic. I. I tell you what, this offense, this offense, what Andy Ludwig has done, the momentum that he's building, and he's keeping defenses so off balance. Brian Thompson's our number one wideout by a clear margin. He didn't even get a target in that game. I want to talk about Brian Thompson real quick, though. Yeah, he didn't get a target. He didn't get a catch. His blocking, though, was still very nice. Oh, yes. And he still ran routes to the fullest. So you watched Oregon State. Other than Hodgkins, their wide receivers would only run about 50% of their routes, and they're just kind of quick because they knew where the ball was going to go. Well, and you could say the same thing about Solomon Enos. Is he, he, I mean, he's only had a couple games where he gets targets, but he's out there game in and game out. He's the first to congratulate whoever scores, and he's out there blocking. This unit is performing, which that is— That one catch he had, though, he made a nice move to pick up uh, some additional yards. But I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about uh, last week with the bye week. Guys that we wanted to see make that step, kind of come out of the bye week ready to play. We listed Samson Nakua as a as one of those players. We we mentioned Brant Keithy as one of those players. Both of them getting touchdowns uh, to kind of start the game, get the goes the um, get the game rolling. And even on the defensive side, I know we're talking about defense yet, but you know we talked about Mika Tafua, Max Tupai, guys that we wanted to see kind of step up in the bye week, and they did that across the board. And going back to the offense, when Umana got ejected out of the game, I kind of got a little nervous, to be quite honest with you, because I thought, oh, well, especially so early in the game. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like where Utah was, it was gaining the momentum, and then have have a starting lineman get ejected three minutes into the game. I was like, oh, that could be all the momentum they're building on this drive. And what they they follow it up with that touchdown pass to Keithy. Which was great to see because I think in in some years past something like that happens and you see a settle for a field goal, uh, or even not score at all. But uh, you know this team's different. Uh, there's just just something about them, and you know it's only been two games since they got beat by USC. But in some ways, I think that was an enormous wake up call. Well, I mean, well, obviously, there's a long way to go, right? But it could be one of those situations where we look back and it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Assuming assuming you, we keep taking care of business, 
but it did it did seem to refocus the team and get them almost playing with a chip on their shoulder again, going out there with something to prove instead of playing, you know, scared. You know, and and making mistakes and just kind of killing themselves. Now they've gotten out of their own way, and that's what I like to see. Is you're seeing them clean things up as the season goes along. They're they're not making those same mistakes. The penalties they're still they're still it's a few. They're still they're still committing way too many penalties. Penalties and special teams definitely need to be cleaned up, and we'll talk about special teams. But at least some of the penalties they're not as they're not as costly as what we saw early in the season and 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 we've been able to overcome those in those last couple of games which is which is so important so this team is humming man they've got a momentum that uh, and, and and some guys specifically are playing at such a high level this I'm telling you man you fans have got to get behind this team and stop worrying about the willy nillies of uh, Arizona State do we are rolling. Well, and I kind of think that confidence, how they're playing, I think it starts with Tyler Huntley. You know, I know a, a couple episodes we talked about how Zach Moss was going to be the face of, of the program on a national level. You know, he was going to get a lot of the recognition from, from national media, uh, and deservedly so. But I've always felt that this team was going to go as Tyler Huntley went. And right now, Huntley is playing at an unbelievable level. I mean, he still hasn't thrown a pick on the season. Somehow he's the third best quarterback in the state. Sorry, I just had to throw it in there. So, did you hear what uh, what Yogi Roth had to say about Tyler Huntley today? I, I I didn't hear it, but I read it on Twitter. Quote tweet, and so we got to give uh, we got to give uh, McKinley J credit for this. He tweeted it out. I told my producer this morning it's time we start respecting Tyler Huntley and talking about him as a Heisman candidate. Well, first of all, I want to tell Yogi, why did it take you so long to respect him, dude? Come on. Wake up. But I honestly think this this team, it, it's taking on that personality of Huntley. And uh, you kind of have seen it now since that USC game that they saw. Huntley was the only guy on offense once Zach Moss got out. But, but Huntley was the only guy that was that seemed to be playing at a high level on on offense against USC. Well, because he, he's playing with so much confidence. Exactly. And I think that that confidence is just ooing across. Is that the right? That's kind of weird, right? Oozing. Oozing. It's all oozing. Oozing or ooing. It, it's spreading. <laughs> it's spreading. Ooh. It's spreading across <sighs> this whole offense. I hate you, Scott. <laughs> but I know it's, it's, it's all fun to, to kind of what you're saying, Ryan, with the whole Huntley's third best quarterback in the state. Uh, but honestly, there is an argument that Huntley is the best quarterback in the Pac-12. Well, then, then <laughs> there's not an argument. There's facts. The stats show exactly where he's at. I mean, he's fifth in the country right now in QBR, number one in the Pac-12, and that's over little Oregon's first-round draft pick that they've got up there. So, I mean, he he is playing at such a high level that it's not just it's not just a level that we as Ute fans are excited to see. I mean, it is. Scott Mitchell said he ha- he had an outside chance at the start of the season that he could be the offensive player of the year, and I didn't really believe that. I thought he could have a good year. I did not believe. I didn't hear Scott Mitchell say that. That's. Uh, I don't think I would have believed it either. I would have gone, "Wait, what? We're we talking about the same Huntley." But I mean, he, he is. He's not making mistakes, and and it's not that he's. He's so timid to not make a mistake that he's not making plays. He's out there running this offense through the run game, through the passing game, leading this team. And as Cam just said, the confidence is is ooing throughout the team. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> but uh, the, the whole team has a little bit of ooh on him from Huntley. And as great as he's playing, I mean, this is something that I don't think a lot of a lot of us saw coming. He's been a, a pretty good quarterback for most of his career. He's he's had his moments where he hasn't looked great. Uh, he's been injury prone, and you know, last year it's things started to click a little bit. We saw before he got hurt, but I think some of this is just maturing, and and you know, he's been with the program a long time, and he understands more how to play the 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 role of quarterback, but I think we got to give Andy Ludwig a lot of credit on this. I mean, this is, he's come in here and really 
I'm the, he, he's changed the culture. He, he, he has. really has, and it, which is amazing. In we're only six games in to Andy Andy Ludwig's return to Utah, and to sit here and say that the culture on the offensive side of the ball has changed because of him is really unreal. I mean, usually it takes a season or two for these offensive coordinators to come in and really... Especially, especially where our culture was. <laughs> well, until they get their guys in. Sure, yeah. But but credit him for coming in, seeing the talent that is on this offense and adapting the scheme to fit those players. And, and not to get over the top on this, but who was the last coach that came in and instantly changed Utah's culture? Urban Ur- Meyer. It was Urban Meyer. He instantly took a team that was that was not playing to their level of of talent, that was just kind of muddling through season after season after season, and he instantly made them such a refined, focused, effective football team. And and again, not to get too crazy on this, but that's kind of what Ludwig's done with this offense. Now it helps when you've got a senior in Tyler Huntley who's got a lot of experience. You've got Moss. You've got some other leaders on this team. So, so that definitely helps, and that that's you know that's going to help Ludwig be able to do what he's doing. But we can't we can't uh, walk over the the fact that what he's done in such a short time is he's he's. He's really changed the mindset of, of, of the whole side, that side of the ball. Well, and I think it even goes back to, to fall camp when guys were buying into the system and you could tell it just wasn't lip service. When I have Guy Holiday telling me that he loves this offense, he prefers this offense rather than the offense that they ran last year. For for Guy Holiday even just to admit that to me, I was I was shocked. Guy, and now, Guy's an Android fan. He, <laughs> he's not an iPhone. But and then to your to your point, Ryan, you take that back in August, and now we're in October, and you can see the the fruit of what Ludwig was was installing back then. Mm-hmm. And I know it's all roses right now. Utah's five and one. You know if they stub their toe, maybe. Some things change, but right now, what the product they're putting on the field, what we're seeing with our eyes, this is a fantastic offense. Well, and that's all you can talk about. There's no point in because we, you know, there could be an injury that could adjust things, right? So you you can only talk about what's been done and where you're at in the season. But to this point, sure, there's that ugly game at USC, but outside of that, this team has done what they're supposed to do, and. And realistically, nobody thought we were going undefeated. There, there wasn't any realistic Ute fan out there that thought we were going undefeated. Going to the playoff, we thought you can lose one game, and that that was still probably the ceiling—one loss. And oh, yeah. that's and we're still in position on that. Yeah, and even on our preview show here, I think all of us had them with one loss. I think maybe some of us had different teams losing two. I think I picked two losses, if I, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, you know, if you look at the rest of the schedule, sure, there's a couple teams um, that could could jump up and beat us. Obviously, Washington. You, I don't, I don't see Cal at this point. I really don't see Arizona. I don't see Colorado. But even this week against Arizona State. But Arizona State and Washington, those are our two biggest tests left. Now, granted. You still could lose to an Arizona. You still, you know, there's always that potential until you until you get through the season. But where this team stands now, if guys can stay healthy, I mean, I'm telling you, I think we've got the ability to run the table here. And that's a big if. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But if they continue to play at this high of a level, every goal is still in sight. Well, there's, there's a lot of things that have to play into into going undefeated. Look at, if you go back to the 08 team and the 04 teams that went undefeated, their health was a huge part of that. They had offensive lines that didn't miss games. They had quarterbacks that didn't miss games. And so that that is a huge factor. So for that to happen this year, well, obviously we're not going to go undefeated. We've already lost one. However, to win out with the possibility of I think playoff picture, the playoffs are still in the picture if you lose one it, game. It's still slide, but you know, at at this point, 
How about the Rose Bowl? That, that, I want oh, yeah, I want to win this thing and go to the Rose Bowl. I, I want Utah to win the Pac-12 championship and then just let the chips fall where yeah. they may. Yeah, at that, at that be... point, it's gravy. Whatever. If yeah. you if if you go to the playoff and have a shot at the national title, amazing. Guess what? If you don't, oh darn it, we're in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So either way, and that's what Whit, that's what we talked about today. You got to focus on what you can control, and if you just win, things are going to work itself out. All right, shifting gears to the defensive side of the ball. Again, again, defense came to play. Two games in a row now they've done that. As as I said, Washington State wasn't a fluke what they did. This week against Oregon State, guys that really stood out to me, as I said, Mika Tafua, probably his best game this season. Francis Bernard had a great game. And and Jalen Johnson. Jalen was a one-man show out there. What Scally did was phenomenal and i know that moving johnson around to to stay on hudgens was great well you could tell that he was so frustrated too and 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 hopefully that's something they continue to use because arizona's got some got a pretty talented wide receiver and i'll tell you mika tafua he's kind of i think he's solidifying that other side opposite bradley and i he's he's coming to play and he's producing and at a, at a really high level, obviously Francis Bernard, but Jalen Johnson was absolutely ridiculous. The coverage that he had, the pass breakups, I mean, he he single handedly stopped <laughs> that offense. But I mean, you you look at how well that defensive line played, and Morgan Scally was so aggressive. We were bringing blitz all the time, and it gave them no time whatsoever. And the blitzes were coming from all over the place, too. That's the other thing I, I really liked about it, is there were times when Johnson came on a blitz from the corner. Blackman came in uh, off the safety, and then you know Devin Lloyd and Francis Bernard held their own. And I know a lot of people, myself included, kind of questioned what this linebacking group was going to be, losing a Chase Hansen and a Cody Barton from last year bringing in a, a new coach in, in, in Colton Swan from, from Weber State, and they're not disappointing. That was phenomenal, and it was so fun to watch. Oh, I mean, they just dominated. I mean, there literally at no point did Oregon State get any momentum. They could never get anything going. What They held them seven yards in the third quarter. Yeah. And that's the other thing I loved about this game is that when Utah went up 21 nothing, they didn't sit on it. They didn't pull the dogs off. And that's something I, we haven't really seen a lot out of this Two Utah games team. in a row. They made Washington State quit. And, and again, we haven't seen that a lot with the Utah team, right? I mean, we even talked about the Washington State game a few years ago when they went up 21 nothing in the first quarter and allowed Washington State to get back in that game and ultimately win. This team has a different mentality, and I love it. It is so fun to watch. And what they're doing, guys are having fun, and everything's great when you're winning. Well, I and I think when you talk about uh, the defense, and you know, how we talked about how you or you talked about Cam, how you know Scally's dialing up blitzes and guys coming in from everywhere. When you have the luxury of having knowing that your offense can go out and get points, you can do that on defense. You don't have to. You don't have to stay conservative. Uh, and just play. I mean, Utah's always had a good defense, and but I don't. I, I don't think they've taken as many risks in the past as they as they are start as we're starting to see. Well, the thing that I absolutely loved is all game long. You just had these commentators just talking about Jake Luton and how how incredible. Man, he's going to set an Oregon State record. Completions without throwing an interception, <laughs> literally one attempt before he breaks the record, <laughs> and I pops it up, and and our our boy Devin Lloyd uh, takes that back. Man, was he just in cruise control that whole time? <laughs> he was just he was just those long strides, just just running into that end zone. So even though uh, the offense and the defense played nearly to perfection. One area that still needs to get cleaned up is special teams. It just is not looking good, which is a, which is really a surprise because for years special teams has been, you know, an area that is a difference maker for for the Utes. And this year, 
for whatever reason, uh, it's just kind of a mess. I mean, kickoff coverage seems to be a mess. Luckily, they haven't given up, you know, a run back, but the kicker most of the time can't get it out of the end zone and the, the guys are and, returning and, it. And he's kicking it all over. It's not like he keeps yeah. it to one side of the field. He's left. He's right. He's he's deep. He's short. Field goals early on was kind of a mess. It, Jaden Redding hit a 42-yard field goal, which which is great, and it was it was a nice-looking kick. It wasn't, you know, wobbly or just barely made it. So maybe that's coming around. But you know what surprised me was uh, punt protection in this game. The, both the times that we punted, they'd almost got blocked. So I, I watched the game today, and I watched those two punts, like, over and over again. I'm not an X's and O's guy. I can't break them down. But honestly, the guys that were coming through weren't even being touched. And I don't know if if it's the Utah guys on the line need a block just a second longer before they release. But on both of them, it was just they just released without really touching anybody, well, expecting the, the three guys in the back to cover them. But there were five or six guys coming at them, and, and three guys can't block all of them. No, no, no. But I think part part of it is scheme is they're going to let some guys go, right? You know, They're not going to block everybody right at the line. But but you're right. There there's too many guys that are getting getting back to that three man wall, and uh, and there's a couple instances that it came pretty close. And and a blocked punt in a game that's a momentum changer. So if you have a close game, something like that happens. That's good. That's crucial. So yeah, hopefully they can get get that cleaned up. They got to get something going with punt returns too. They're literally getting absolutely nothing out of the punt return game in the moment. No matter if it was Covey or now Simpkins, it's just basically fair catch. I mean, they're not. But you got to give the other team's punter some credit for hanging it up there and letting getting his team time to run down there. But but, but really the other aspect there. of it is, is we're never we're never even close to actually blocking a punt. We never yeah. put pressure on the punter to have to get rid of it quick or or uh, you know or have the threat of actually blocking it. But, uh, you know, to an extent, I mean, there's been a lot of changeover on that special team side from we've got a new special teams coach and Sharif Shah, and you've got a new kicker, a new punter, you know, you've kind of lost a lot of that leadership from that group. And so I think it is going to take some time to kind of get to get back up to the level that we've we've come accustomed to. And that could be, too, on the on the punting with with having a freshman inexperienced punter with Lennon. You know, maybe he needs to to drop it a little bit quicker uh, when he sees that pressure coming. Um, I, again, like I, I think there's things there that need to be fixed, though. Yeah, there's definitely issues there, and you know, obviously they're going to keep working at it. Uh, the The good thing is having such a great defense, and now having an offense that's not relying so much on your punter or your field goal kicker that lessens the blow of of them really not performing at such a high level. To a point, though, my only counter-argument to that is it doesn't seem like there's a lot of trust right now in the field goal game. Oh, no. And in the last couple games, when they've gotten to about the 30-yard line, they'll just go for it. Well, and I think in some cases I'm okay with that. I I like the aggressive nature offensively. Keep the offense out there and take take some risks. You know, obviously, early on in the season, we as we've done so, there's been a number of opportunities where it's it's we haven't converted, and you're turning the ball over on downs. But in some aspects, I like keeping the offense out there and and be able to sustain some of those drives and and uh, and get uh, get seven versus getting three. But but we're gonna need it against a Washington, against an Arizona State. You can't have those miscues. And that's my only concern is is when the game is tight and you need those three points. Uh, and obviously, you know, I don't want to compare Redding to Matt Gay. That's just not fair to a true freshman to do that. And and Redding, I think, is getting better. Uh, Ryan, you said he had a 42-yard. I think it was his, his career-long. Um, PATs are, are, are much better than, than game one. But a lot of areas to clean up. And, and we'll see going forward on, on, on what changes uh, Coach Shaw and Coach Winningham can do. All right, so that will do it for our thoughts um, of, of the Utah-Oregon State game and really the, the current state where Utah is uh, now that they're, they're midway through the season. So this week coming up, the number 13 Utes are playing the number 17-ranked Arizona State Sun Devils. Utah and ASU go back and forth. It, it's been a good series, and I'm really expecting a good game this Saturday. I'm so excited for this game. This is, this is, this is turning into truly a rivalry game. 
And now, I mean, and there's no, there's no doubt about it. They've had the upper hand since we've joined the conference. They're, uh, they're, they're six and two against us since we've joined the conference. So they definitely have been, uh, been kind of dominating in that aspect. But I'll tell you what, man, it's a new year. It's a new team. I, I like our chances. Uh, not everybody in, uh, in, uh, Ute fandom is, is feeling that same, uh, those same thoughts. People were going at you on Twitter today. I'll tell you what, man. Heaven forbid you be a little little positive about your team and have a little bit of hope, but uh, ASU has literally just ruined some folks. It's been a tough matchup for the, for the most part. You know, back when Utah first joined the conference and Dennis Erickson was down there, they just steamrolled us. Uh, we've gotten a couple of wins, but it's just been difficult to get some wins against this team for whatever reason and but I, I obviously as we've talked about how good Utah's play and I think this is the best chance they've had in a long time to really solidify their place in this conference so right now Arizona State uh, so as I said 17th in the country they're five and one um on the season kind of their, their best win so far is uh, Michigan State um, at Michigan State, they won ten to seven, and then in conference play, they they lost to Colorado. They beat Cal uh, with a, a backup quarterback. Uh, so yeah, know, I mean, who knows Barber, how that game could have turned out? Barber gets hurt in that game, and, and it completely shifts. Cal was up early, you know. I mean, and, and Arizona State. I mean, they struggle with the Sacramento State, a Troy Taylor led team, only winning nineteen. Was it was a nineteen seven, nineteen seven, and then last week they beat Washington State. Uh, 38-34. Uh, they are coming in with the true freshman and Jaden Daniels, who's just been piercing the defenses the last couple games. Obviously, he was a very highly coveted recruit uh, that Utah tried to get, and 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 you know he kind of pierced the Utes and and went down to ASU. I mean, Jaden Daniels, he's 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 going to be good, and obviously, uh, you know, it was it, <laughs> it hurts not only losing him, but going to going to a, a divisional rival. And and playing so well early that that kind of stings even more so, but he but he and Eno are I mean they're they're productive I mean uh, they're they're comparable really right now numbers wise with with what uh, those two are doing versus what Moss and Huntley are doing are very comparable um, stat wise and just their overall production and, and and they run a similar type offense right where Jaden Jaden's getting some uh, some some yards on the ground and he, and he's doing really well through the air. I'll tell you what, dude. That guy weighs about as much as my left leg. So, I'll tell you, you gotta let an eye go. You gotta get a foe to some of these guys. If we can hit him early, I mean, every game that I've watched of ASU, he he really hasn't just and 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 their O line has gotten better as the season has gone on. But we gotta hit him, and we gotta hit him early and often throughout this game because. He may not be able to last. He is fragile. Well, and they they are giving up three sacks a game, uh, uh, with, with Jalen Daniels. He's been you know he's been sacked sixteen times on the year, and that could be a big recipe for success for Utah. Well, yeah, I completely agree. But I think you you got to go into this game with a little bit different mindset because the last couple of games Utah's played really have been just pocket quarterbacks. They drop back looking for an open receiver. Jaden Daniels can run, so you've got to you got to make sure that you keep him contained, uh, but with still obviously getting pressure on him, making him feel uncomfortable, um, and maybe maybe that mi- means mixing in some of those blitzes from different locations like we like we've seen, uh, and can really confuse him. But uh, he he can burn you with his legs. Well, and and I think this is where Scally comes into play here because obviously, I mean. He he's a good enough quarterback that he's he's gonna get his yards right, and he's he's gonna he's gonna hurt you sometimes, but he is young, and and Scally is doing right now a phenomenal job of messing with quarterbacks. He's bringing blitzes from all over the field, disguising coverages, and I think again, he he's he's playing well, but he doesn't have a ton of experience. So I think I'm I'm really excited to see what we do as a game plan to really kind of keep him on 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 his heels a little bit and and not let him get into into rhythm because if he does then it's going to be tough to slow down and tough and and tough to really stop him. 
But I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm bullish on this, on this game. As good of an ASU team as this is, I don't care about all these stats that under Herm Edwards, they haven't lost a game by more than a touchdown. Well, guess what? They're going to. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Seriously, I don't, I don't understand why so many in the fan base are so broken up about ASU and so scared of them. Come on. You look at head-to-head. They struggled at home against Washington State. I'll they were t- lucky to win that game. I'll tell you why everyone's scared, because how many times have we had one game to win to win the South and lost? Okay, but I'm not. But, I, I'm on your side on this, but I'm telling you that's where Utah no, fan I get is. It. I get it, but in a number of those years, we weren't as good of a team as we are now. We sure. weren't playing at this high of a level. We didn't have an offense that we could rely upon. We were a one-sided team. Great defense, very mediocre offense. Guess what? We're not that anymore. So we're playing at a much higher level. This is a different team. It's a different game. It's a different team for Arizona State. They're young themselves. I mean, Colorado just beat them, so they're they're not invincible. Utah, I'll tell you what, Utah needs to come out and 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 put an absolute game together and win this and win it convincingly for the, just for the sake of our fan base. So these so some of these people can get it together. Well, I don't think there's any reason to believe we're not going to come out and be aggressive. We've seen that the last two games. No, but I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be a great matchup. Right now, Utah offensively number thirteen in the country, going up against Arizona State's uh, defense, which is twenty sixth, and a little bit of a reversal. Uh, offensively, ASU's only fifty eighth um, in the country, going up against Utah's twenty fifth ranked defense. We've got the advantage on both sides of the ball. We're at home. Rice Eccles is going to be jacked. Rice Eccles is going to be a fun atmosphere come Saturday. Can't wait. Rice Eccles has got to be crazy. We got to fill that place, which which we will. But man, I, I'm just hoping we have a great environment. And the best part about being a fan and being at that game is you will not have to tune in to the Pac-12 network. True that. So. You and eight of your friends across the country can watch it. What a joke. What an absolute joke, Pac-12. Grow up. All right, so it does look like we have Chris Cartman from Sun Devil Source on the phone. Before we bring him on, let you know that interview is brought to you by Doubletree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. They're located at 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call at 801-359-0800, or you can always check them out at Hilton.com. So joining us on the phone now is Chris Cartman from SunDevilSource.com. Chris, thanks for jumping on. Hey, my pleasure. Hey, Chris, talk to us a little bit about Jaden Daniels. Obviously, he's a big part of why Arizona State's off to a good start at 5-1. and one. You know, Utah and ASU kind of had a, a pretty intense recruiting battle uh, going after him. He went goes down to ASU. Talk to us a little bit about how he won that job through fall camp and 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 his surprising play so early as a true freshman. He's a very special talent. Um, I've rarely missed a practice at ASU in the last probably 12 or 13 years, and he was very easily the best freshman quarterback that I've seen in that time. And given how quarterbacks have really uh, gotten a lot better in high school and with the they all have their gurus and the, the, the systems a lot more advanced these days. I'm pretty confident that ASU's never had a freshman quarterback uh, you know, ever on the level of Jade Daniels. He's extremely uh, focused, diligent. Uh, he is even keeled. He has a, a, a uh, just a great sort of approach to the game. I think that he's an extremely comfortable pocket passer you know everybody talks about the fact that he's a really good athlete which he is but uh he's he's um very comfortable just hanging out you know probably almost too much in fact in the pocket and trying to go through his progressions and make the right read and the decision and that's going to really pay dividends for him as his career unfolds as he gets bigger stronger as he sees uh and becomes more familiar with what teams are doing defensively very accurate three-level thrower. Uh, he scrambles when he has to and, and, and makes unannounced plays with his feet. Um, only one interception and, and really 
very few uh, Jeopardy throws. Uh, so I, I would say at, he's at least a, a mid-level Pac-12 starter right now. He's already won the freshman of the, the week three times in, in the Pac-12. He's probably going to be the freshman of the year in the conference. And I, I would imagine he's one of the best players in the Pac-12 probably uh, by some point next year. You know, stick sticking uh, on the topic of Jaden Daniels, he he's getting sacked about three times, three times a game right now. Is that more of a problem with the O line, or is it more just kind of him being uh, young and inexperienced, maybe holding onto the ball a little too long? Yeah, it's a combination of factors. Uh, he has at times held onto the ball a little bit too long, stayed in the pocket a little bit too long. Sometimes he's um, been too far deep in the pocket as opposed to stepping up, and that's enabled some of the edge pass rushers to get to him. But a uh, big part of it really is ASU's issues with uh, having to play two true freshmen on the offensive line. Um, last year's left tackle, Zach Robertson, uh, is away from the team for a personal reason, has been all year. ASU lost uh two other starters from last year's uh, team, two seniors that were really good players last year. And they just um, didn't have uh, guys that were kind of waiting in the wings and had any real experience. That was really uh, the fault of the previous staff and recruiting and some of their uh, inability to get guys and some of their focus. So they have a, they have a left tackle who's um, 17 years old. Uh, remarkably, uh, he's not going to be 18 until he's, until uh, December, and uh, you know he he's he's just you know learning on the fly. I mean he's, he's somebody that Utah's going to be able to really work on and, and try to take advantage of. And Ace is going to have to scheme for that. The other freshman is the right guard, uh, who Donovan West, who is a very good uh, player actually for a freshman. Uh, he's had three games graded in the 90s, and uh, but they they've started to settle in. I think they've gotten a little bit better in the last few weeks, both with the pass pro and the run blocking. And I think this is going to be one of the biggest tests of the, of the season to this point. So we'll see how they do. Two years ago when Herm Edwards was hired, that kind of came really out of left field, I think, for a lot of people, uh, especially, you know, not within the ASU community. But what kind of identity is, is, has the Sun Devils kind of taken on with, with Edwards at the helm? Well, they've really sold this, uh, what they call the pro model. Uh, Edwards has a great long-standing relationship with ASU's athletic director, Ray Anderson, who used to be an NFL agent and represented him. And that's, that's the reason that Edwards um, is the coach. And then uh, Edwards added Antonio Pierce, who's a top recruiter and also was on ESPN. And he was a, uh, in the Super Bowl as a linebacker with the Giants and um, and you have Marvin Lewis as a special consultant, you know, obviously former NFL head coach. Uh, and, um, there's several other people that have NFL experience, uh, coaching, uh, that are on the staff. And so they're really trying to sell that vision, that experience, um, with recruits and also with their players. It's a lot harder to question the judgment of your coaches if you know that you're talking to people that were uh, very esteemed coaches in the NFL. And so I think their buy-in and I think their culture are, have been very solid. Edwards is the type of guy who walks a really good balance between uh, letting players be themselves, but also having discipline within the program. I think that's actually one of his biggest strengths and uh, that's resonated extremely well with players. Uh, he's a defensive minded coach. Uh, he always says defense and run game travel. So, uh, you know, you, you, you have, uh, one of the best running backs in, in the conference there in, uh, Zach Moss and, and, you know, Benjamin's another great running back, maybe two of the, maybe the two best, uh, running backs in the league. And ASU's really, um, you know, they have a young defense, the youngest in the FBS last year, but this year, uh, they're starting to develop and, and still there are some, uh, hiccups that they have from time to time. And they're going to get a really big test, of course, in Salt Lake City on Saturday. You know, for Utah fans that may not be too familiar with uh, some of the players on uh, ASU, who, who, what's a standout player on defense that they can watch for this week? On defense, um, well, they they have their, their their secondary is really important. You know, especially probably in this game, Chase Lucas 
uh, has been has given up some big plays uh, from time to time, but he's also uh, been pretty good. Like he was very good against Washington State. You have Kobe Williams on the other side, who's an excellent player as a corner. Jack Jones, the former five-star USC transfer, uh, has been playing a lot. Basically, if you ran a six-DB look against Washington State, and those three guys were all on the field at the same time. Uh, I think from a pass rush standpoint, a really important player in this game uh, is uh, is, is uh, Tyler Johnson. Um, he's uh, had a hamstring injury that has been bothering him basically all season. Um, but when he's on the field, he he really is far and away the most impactful uh, pass rusher. So he's a key, the key guy to watch. And then as far as like the run game goes, uh, the players up front that are uh, people are going to really want to key in on are the nose tackle, DJ Davidson, who's a very good sophomore. Uh, George Lee plays, and he's a senior. And Jermaine Lole is, is another end. So I would say, you know, there's there's no like true like superstar player on the AFC defense to this point. Um, there's you know there's uh, they have they're probably pretty good at every level of their defense, but not really great. At any of those levels, and they don't have uh, an elite pass rush. They don't have anybody that's you know got a lot of interceptions or a particularly phenomenal ball hawk. But they just really don't have any any real deficiencies. Since Utah joined the conference, you know they've struggled offensively. They've been a team that they have really relied on the running game, and again this year it's no different. They're they're averaging 228 on the ground, which leads the conference. But they've got a different element in there. We've got a, a passing game that can complement that running game. How do you expect ASU to uh, to play defensively in this game? You know, a lot of teams have stacked the box to, uh, the box to try and take the run away from Moss, which has really allowed Huntley to 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 play at a really high level and and hurt teams through the air. How, how do you see uh, the defensive focus for ASU going into this game? I'm pretty confident that it's going to be a lot of man coverage. Um, they've gone up against teams that have very dynamic receivers and have just tended to be more effective playing man. And they also haven't been able to get a great pass rush with three or even four guys uh, bringing up the quarterback. So my sense is that they'll probably – uh, try to bring, you know, a little bit more pressure, some five man looks, try to keep it, um, try to keep Huntley off, off balance a little bit, you know, it, maybe give him some pictures pre-snap, uh, that he thinks are going to be one thing, you know, maybe like, um, looks like it might be a, a two man shell and then they rotate one guy up and they're in a, they're in a middle field close situation. Uh, you know, make it look like they're not maybe not going to blitz, and then and then bring a couple guys. Make it look like um, you know they're uh, going to bring five, and then drop a couple. Try to get some interceptions and some zone underneath. I think it's really it's about just Danny Gonzalez, ASU's coordinator. He 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 puts together good game plans, and I think really it's about um, just trying to present looks that are that end up being different than what the quarterback thinks pre-snap, and also. Uh, you know, wrinkles that maybe opposing offensive coordinators hadn't really uh, fully considered. So he goes back, like they won't do the same thing that they did stylistically a whole lot uh, last year. It'll probably be like Danny Gonzalez, you know, going back two, three or four years and, uh, and then also putting together stuff from elements of what he thinks has worked well against Utah by other teams. So, Chris, a couple of minutes ago, you brought up Zach Moss and Eno Benjamin. I know on social media, especially during this offseason, there was a lot of chatter between the two fan bases on which one was the best back in the conference. But kind of taking that aside, what really makes Benjamin such a productive back for ASU? Well, his balance and his vision and the pacing of his runs would all be great uh to elite um he's averaging a lot fewer yards per carry this year but that's really not at all any fault of his own in fact uh pro football focus says that benjamin is averaging the most yards in the pac-12 after initial contact so he breaks so many tackles because of his strong base and his balance 
and his ability to avoid on-center hits. And he has a very slippery spin move um, that he sort of just is able to to anticipate what where guys are going to be, and he and he gets he gets it so that they don't hit him on center. And um, he's also extremely durable. Uh, he's somebody that I, I've never seen a running back who can handle the amount of, of carries that he does without uh, having any diminished output or productivity over the course of a game or even over the course of a season. He's something like 22 carries per game, but uh, six games into a season or, or 300 carries into last season when he set the, the school record uh, for most carries in a season, he looked you know, just fresh to me even at the end of the year. So I think that's also uh, a really remarkable feat. So, Chris, coming in this game, you know, both teams, 2-1 and one in conference, a, a big game that can really help it, one of these teams move up in the in the division. Where do you see this game going, and what's your prediction? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to end up picking Utah. I'm not sure on a score prediction yet, because I, I just, uh, usually my week, I, I'm studying ASU's opponents on, like, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, as we're recording this on Monday night, uh, I haven't really done that yet. I've watched a couple other games more casually, and I, I think Utah. I think Utah is the better team, um, and especially given that the game is going to be uh, at home for them in, in a, a, a colder environment. I think those things set up well. Uh, obviously, ASU um, in, in surprising fashion dominated last year. In the, in the game between the two teams, and, but I don't think that's going to happen again. And uh, I don't think it's a bad matchup necessarily for ASU, but uh, if Utah doesn't turn the football over, that's really the whole key. If Utah doesn't turn the football over, uh, I think Utah is going to be really hard to beat at home. And so I'm not sure on a score prediction. Probably, probably ASU's played uh, tied with Texas the most games decided by seven or fewer points since the start of 2018 with 13 games. So it's, they've only had one game that was really not that close. So I think it's probably going to be close. Um, my sort of inkling would probably be Utah by maybe a touchdown or so. Perfect. And you can read his stuff at sundevilsource.com. And Chris, uh, before we let you go, where can uh, Utah fans kind of follow you on Twitter and, and social media as they get ready for this game? Right. So uh, my personal is at Chris Hartman, K-A-R-P-M-A-N. And then also uh, the site is at Sun Devil Source. Are you are you coming up to the game? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. We'll I'll be there with two of my staff members. Oh nice. So, Utah is like maybe my favorite uh, road experience in the Pac-12. I think it's a great. Uh, the crowd is great. The environment is great. The setting is great. The city is an enjoyable. One. It's a it's a it's a good turnaround. I love the press box. It's a good experience. Everything about the trip is good. So. You know, I don't know if that matters to your audience or you guys or whatever, but uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that's cool, dude. That's that's awesome. Nice. All right, man. Well, hey, have a great night, but but yeah, safe travels up here. Okay, sounds good. You guys have a good week. Awesome. That was Chris Cartman from SunDevilSource.com. Uh, be sure you know check him out on Twitter so you can stay up to date on what the Sun Devils are doing as they um, come up into Salt Lake. Really interesting points. I think really about Jaden Daniels. And if Utah can keep that pressure on him with that young offensive line, I think that's where Utah can really have a lot of a lot of success. All right, and as we close out this show, we'll kind of give a little Pac-12 review on what's going on. Before we hit that, we got a message from 12-Pack Radio. Hey, Ute fans, it's Brian with 12-Pack Radio. Like you, we're big fans of the Utah Man podcast and are glad you're tuning in. If you're jonesing for some additional Pac-12 coverage, then check out our show, 12-Pack Radio with Sports Illustrated Gambling's Max Meyer. We use advanced stats, hold free contests, and provide an in-depth look at the Conference of Champions. And we're high on the Utes, so we've had Cam and Scott on the show multiple times. Not Ryan, though. He's in the boo box. But if you're looking for some Utah love, we're happy to oblige. We've had great guests, and it's a good show. So search for 12-Pack Radio anywhere you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at 12 pack radio. That's one, two PAC radio. 
Okay, as we look at at the Pac-12 and what went on last week, uh, just to kind of give a standing on on our pickup game, Ryan, you and I went three and one. Scott went two and two. So on the year, I'm thirteen and ten. Ryan, you're eleven and twelve, and Scott, you're eleven and twelve. Good thing you picked Colorado over Oregon. Oh, what a what a mess that was. That's the last time I go with the Buffs at any time this season. They're getting worse. Forty-five to three for Oregon. Yeah, that was just that was a beat down. Oregon, Oregon looked good, you know, and especially coming off a week where they did not, <laughs> they did not look good at all. So they really turned that around, and yeah, I'm, I'm really starting to wonder how good of a football team this Oregon, or excuse me, this Colorado team is, because early on they looked, uh, they looked pretty good, yeah. but they're, they're struggling, and especially that win against Arizona State, yeah. I, and having a senior quarterback in Montez, I was high on the Buffs. I mean, I didn't think they were going to win the division. But I thought they could at least compete in the middle of the vision there. I mean, now I they're they're kind of down there with UCLA. Yeah, they're they're floundering big time. As we mentioned before, Arizona State uh, gets gets the comeback win again against Washington State. You know, a great drive by the Sun Devils uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter to take that lead. And Jaden Daniels, a true freshman, we could talk talked about him, but I think he took another step forward in his progression and looked really good in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he came through. I mean, he's 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 playing at a high level, and he's got some good weapons. Um, so they're they're going to be a tough match. But Washington State, man, that defense just is—they don't have anything. They've got nothing going on defensively. They have a new defensive coordinator, and it, it didn't solve any issues. Zero three now in Pac-12 play. That that's rough. Granted, all those three losses are against the South. Um, so. I guess potentially they, they could still do something in the north um, if they kind of run the table against those northern teams, get those tiebreakers, uh, get things going their way. I mean, obviously Oregon's on a completely different planet than them right now. But, but I don't but, think I don't think we expected that from this Washington State. No, team. but uh, they just they don't have it. I mean, their offense is good, but their offense is not so elite that it's that it's covering up what that defense is doing. Which that they've defense, done in the past. Yeah, that defense is so bad. I just I just don't see that. I don't see a run in them. At this point, I mean, 0-3, you know, guys are, that's tough to come back out of and, and claw your way and get back into any type of race. So I, I think Washington State, with that loss, I think I think they're done. Well, Washington, Arizona, uh, Washington wins 51-27. It, it was close at halftime. Arizona had the lead. And then something to switch with Washington in, the, in that third quarter. And I, I don't know where this Washington team is. I am, and I don't know where this Eason kid is. Because in against the BYU game, he was phenomenal. Could not make a mistake. And then last week didn't look that great. And then in the first half against Arizona, really, really rocky. I just I don't know where this Washington team is. And they're going against Oregon this week. I I just I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. Well, I mean, two different halves, right? They struggle immensely in that first half. Uh, their only touchdowns a defensive touchdown, and then uh, and then they they just put it on Arizona in that second half. So yeah, I mean obviously we in, in a couple of weeks we're gonna get their best shot, and uh, that's not gonna be an easy game. But they're they're not looking like the uh, conference um, a real conference threat at the moment. Well, I think we'll get a good a good view of what they're gonna look like. I think Oregon's gonna be a great test for them this week. Well, on the on the other side of that, I think Arizona's kind of. Sh- you know, they started off two and zero. Looks good in that first half, and you kind of wonder, all right, maybe maybe these guys are a little bit more real than than we thought they were going to be. But I, I just I still don't see it. Um, that Arizona is going to be able to be a real threat down the stretch. Obviously, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I mean, that was that's kind of a heartbreaker to to put that type of second half together. And then kind of round out uh, the last game, USC falls to Notre Dame thirty to twenty seven. USC put up a, a good fight uh, against a ranked opponent in, in Notre Dame. Just just couldn't finish it out. Unlike their president, who got a nice good look of that referee walking past. Yeah is is there anything is there anything decent about U- uh, USC? Even their president's weird. But I'll tell, but I'll tell you, I mean, they, they they put a better game than I thought they were going to against Notre Dame at yeah. at, at Notre Dame, number nine in the country. I thought they would just get whoops. So. Well, I think that just shows really what USC is a great individual talents when they want to show up and play they they can be very very good and when they aren't motivated they don't care they can look pretty bad 
They're zero two against independent teams this year, so not uh, not good for uh, not good for the conference there. USC. Uh, they also haven't won a game away from the Coliseum, and that goes back to what we talked about. They're they're a completely different team, home and away. So unfortunately, real- we got them at home this year. <laughs> So just run down the standings real quick in the north. Oregon is leading that three and zero, and you have a bunch of two and two teams in Stanford, Washington, and then one and two teams in Oregon State and Cal, and then Washington at the bottom at zero and three. And then we look at the south. There's a four way tie at the top: USC, ASU, Utah, Arizona, all two and one. And then at the bottom, you have Colorado and UCLA, both at one and two. And as we go into our pick'em games. Uh, for this week, first game we're looking at Colorado uh, traveling to Pullman to play the Cougars. Washington State right now is 13 and a half point favorite. Scott, it's your week to go first. Where are you going? I'm going with Vegas on this one. I got Washington State. I think Colorado. They traveling up to Washington State. They just they just don't have much left in them. I I don't see. I I think Washington State wins this easy. I definitely agree with that. I think Washington State. Dropping three games in a row, and now you know going back home. I think they're going to rebound, especially this Colorado team just keeps getting worse each week. It seems like so. I'll take the Cougars in that one, right? Yeah, I'll go with Washington State. I think they're going to bounce, bounce back, and end that losing streak they're on. The next game we're looking at, and I think this one's actually going to be a pretty close game. Arizona's traveling to to the Coliseum to play the Trojans. USC's in a nine and a half point favorite right now as we're recording. Scott, where are you going? Well, I'll tell you, I'll be cheering for Arizona on this one, but I think uh, I think USC, I think USC wins this fairly easily. I think Arizona's going to get it. I know USC plays great at home, uh, but Khalil Tate, I think, has been playing very well the last couple weeks, and I think he posed something that can really hurt USC with, with a mobile quarterback. So I'm I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Oof, Cam, bearing down. Yeah, we, we just I think we just got done talking about that USC is a different team at home, and they got. I mean, Arizona, I think could go in there and pull an upset, but I, I don't see it happening. I'll go with USC. And the next game we're looking at Oregon's traveling to Washington. Oregon's a three-point favorite right now. Should be a great game. Scott, who you got? This will be a good game, and it's not on the Pac-12 Network, so people should be able to watch it. Um. Yeah. This is gonna be. This will be big for the North. Um. I. Washington. I think Washington. They're gonna show up, and I. I think. I think you're gonna get one of their best efforts because they know there's their their chances are on the line if they don't win this game. But I think Oregon's playing with some confidence at the moment, and that that Oregon defense is pretty good. I mean, they're playing at a very high level, which we just haven't seen an Oregon defense do at least consistently. So. I think I think that puts them over the top. I'm going to go with Oregon on that. I'm taking the Ducks in this one, and frankly, just because I think Oregon has a great secondary, they're going to really limit what Washington can do in the air, and that will really hurt that Washington offense. I don't really think they have a great rushing attack, so because of that, I'll take the Ducks, right? Yeah, I go with the Ducks too, and I think that pretty much solidifies them winning the North. And then the last game we're looking at, number 13 Utah's hosting number 17, the Sun Devils of Arizona State. Scott, who do you got? What's your score? Yeah, this could be a good one. I I cannot absolutely wait to get into that stadium, man. It's it's not a night game. At least it's not going to start as a night game. But uh, this this is this this mid season game has more hype than I can remember having in recent in recent years. So I think there's I think the environment's going to be absolutely electric. Weather, we'll see. We'll see how that plays into this game a little bit. It's supposed the, to be cold and wet. The forecast I looked at today, the temperature went up ten degrees from yesterday when oh. I looked at it. Well, it could be six. It could be like high seventies by the time game day rolls around. But uh, you know, it, I'm 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 better. I'm good with colder colder and wet conditions with those soft uh, little Tempe Satans coming to town. So. Um, I'm I'm going I'm going Utah thirty-one Arizona State eighteen. I, I did forget to mention is a thirteen and a half point favorite right now for Utah, but that's quite a spread there. Kind of thinking the same way as you. I think Utah is they're fired up to play right now. What we've been talking about all this episode, 
they're playing with a lot of confidence, and they're going to get in there, and they're going to come with away with a win. They're going to be 35-21. Uh, absolutely picking the Utes to win this, and I think they're going to come out and really show how good of a team they are, and make. And this is going to be a pretty decisive win. I think Utah wins 34-17. Three three routes, three routes, <laughs> three easy wins. I like it. I'll tell you what, you fans will be pretty happy if uh, if that's uh, if those scores are. Hey, I'll take it if it's close. thirty-four to thirty-three, but I still think Utah wins pretty easily. So we'll do it for this episode, Ryan. Where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum the letter N Feather Scott. Yeah, you find me at Uteman underscore Forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And you can always subscribe to our show and listen anywhere you listen to a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We are there. And you can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And hopefully Utah gets another win in conference play and takes care of the Sun Devils. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.